Welcome to the Revo Podcast. Revo Church is one church in multiple locations with a vision to spark a revolution of life change through Jesus. We hope to accomplish this through our core values of love big, serve hard, live bold, grow deep, and move forward. For more information on our service times and locations, please visit our website at discoverrevo.com. Hey, what's up, friends and fam in the room? My name is Nathan, one of the pastors here. Thanks for joining us. Thanksgiving is on the, the men's right here. We're close. I hope you got your menu. I hope you got your stretchy pants laid out. It's going to be a good day. If you're watching online, you're probably wearing your stretchy pants right now. Um, so thanks for, <laughs> thanks for crashing a party with us. We're glad you're here. Uh, listen, man, have you ever done something for someone and they didn't thank you for it? I don't know why that burns me up so bad, but it does, right? You, I mean, it can be just the little things, right? I was going down Interstate 40 uh, earlier this week or, or last week, and, and you know, there's an there's a, a exit that's, that's coming on. They're, they're merging onto 40, and this guy was doing what y'all do all the time, and y'all try to ride it all the way down to the end, and then you want to try to cut in front of somebody right before, and you, you want to act like it's an emergency because you're getting ready to go on the little rumble strip there. And so... This guy's beside me, and I'm like, you know what, I'm going to do the right thing, and I'm going to let him in. So I break. I didn't have to do that, okay? I break. I slow down, and I let him in, and he, you know, jerks the wheel right in front of me and slides in. And you know what? Didn't even give me a wave. Listen, if you and I are ever having an interaction on the interstate, and I let you in front of me, this is all I want. You ready? This is all you got to do. That's it. You do it in the middle so that they can see it behind you. You know, little, I'm not asking you to roll the window down and hang out and look back and give me the thumbs up. Don't hit the blinkers. Like, just, just it. that's it. That's all I wanted. And I let this guy in, and I'm looking in, his, in the back mirror, and I'm just like, I'm waiting for it. I know he's going to do it because I didn't have to do that. I know he's going to thank me for it. It's, it's November. Nothing. It's like, come on, man. I didn't do anything. I, I, I stopped at a gas station, and uh, I'm, I'm going inside. And uh, you, you ever walked into a door and there's somebody behind you, they're not close enough to where you need to hold the door for them. Like you can easily just walk through, let the door close behind them and, and they can be responsible for their own door. And so there's this weird moment in between where they're like, uh, they're not within like five feet. They're like 10 feet, but I can tell they're looking at me. So, so I just open up the door and, and I stand and, and, I let, and I let this lady walk through. And when she walks through, guess what she did? Nothing. No, thank you. Didn't look at me. She looked at me like I worked at Sheets or something like this was my job. And I was like, no, ma'am. But here's the problem, though. When, when somebody doesn't show gratitude towards you, you can't say anything about it, right? Because that makes you look needy, right? I mean, you, you know, it just makes you, it's high maintenance, it's insecurity. Like, can you believe they didn't say thank you to me? Like, can somebody just acknowledge that I'm doing something here and say thank you? And it's just like, bro, calm down. That's so petty right now. I don't know why you're doing that. Like, so you can't say anything about it, even if, if somebody should say thank you, but they don't say thank you. And so sometimes you do something nice for somebody and they say thank you. Other times you do something nice for somebody and they don't say anything at all. Here's the worst thing. You ready for this? Sometimes you'll do something nice for someone and they will end up complaining about it. You didn't do it right. You didn't do it when I wanted you to. You didn't do it my way. And so I don't like it. This occasionally happens in my house. Um, I do 95% of the cooking in my house, okay, but on 5% of the time, Elizabeth, my wife, finds herself on dinner duty. And there's a handful of meals that Elizabeth knows how to cook, 
and they're all in a crock pot, and I don't like any of them. Um, and so, like, kind of, boy, that's a judgmental laugh there. Y'all need to calm, calm down, all right? Let me get through the story. So one of these meals in particular that Elizabeth knows how to make that I absolutely don't like is pot roast in the crock pot, okay? So here's the deal. If we're going to eat beef, I don't want to eat pot roast in a crock pot. I want to eat a ribeye on the grill, okay? So I'll meet you halfway. If you want to eat beef, baby, tell me anytime you want it. I'll go get it for us. I'll make it happen. But Elizabeth doesn't know how to use the grill and, and, and all that kind of stuff. So she's like, here's what we're going to do. She, she gets up in the morning before she goes to work. She puts the crock pot on, puts the pot roast in. We get home uh, at night, same time I walk in. I'm like, Elizabeth, what's for dinner tonight? And she says, we're having pot roast. And I'm like, you know what? I think I'm going to eat cereal tonight, right? <laughs> now, see, for some of y'all, y'all don't like that. And, and you're thinking in your mind, now, what would you say if she said that to you? Here's the deal. I would be perfectly fine if Elizabeth said that to me. If I went to the store this afternoon and I bought two ribeye steaks and I got home and Elizabeth said, I don't want to eat steak, I'm going to look at her and be like, well, praise God. Because I just went from having one steak to two steaks. You eat whatever you want, I'm going to eat two steaks. This is a win-win, right? So I don't understand the big deal when I say I don't like pot roast. It's more pot roast for you. I don't want it. So I tell her, I'm like, you know what, tonight, I'm eating cereal. And Elizabeth doesn't respond the same way that I do when, when I tell her things like that. She said, listen, I planned this meal. I bought this meal. I cooked this meal. You are not going to eat cereal tonight. You are eating pot roast. And I look at her and say, woman, I, I don't say woman. <laughs> Let's be real here. I say, sweetheart, I am a... <laughs> I am a grown man, okay? I don't need your permission to eat a big bowl of Lucky Charms covered in 2% milk. I don't. I eat what I want, all right? So not only was I not thankful for what she cooked, but I complained about it. And as embarrassing as that seems, there's actually a story in the Bible that I think is even worse than that. Like when I read this story that we're going to look at today, Maybe the most famous, or I guess the most infamous story of gratitude in all of the Bible. Like even I, the guy that wants Lucky Charms over pot roast, even I look at this story and I'm like, ooh, man, that is not a good look right there. That is, you should not have said, said what you just said. If you have your Bible, let's do Luke chapter 17. Maybe one of the most famous stories on generosity or, or on thankfulness and generosity in, in all of Scripture story of when Jesus heals uh, 10 men with leprosy, or as I call them, uh, 10 men in quarantine, Jesus steps in and heals them in, in a really powerful way. You guys check out this story. Uh, Luke chapter 17, uh, starting in verse 11. Here's, here's how it unfolds. As Jesus continued on towards Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered a village there, 10 lepers stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. Now, leprosy is kind of a weird word for us because it, it doesn't exist in, in our country today. And so let me explain it to you, give you a little background. Uh, leprosy was an extremely contagious skin disease that ultimately resulted in death. 
your skin would just begin to deteriorate and you had scabs and open wounds all over your body. It would get so bad that your fingers and your toes would begin to fall off. They would just rot off, just pieces of your skin and body, your nose, your ears would just begin to rot off over a period of time, ultimately until it took your life physically. And it was so contagious, like it was just skin-to-skin contact would spread this leprosy, this, this terrible disease. It did not have a cure for it at all. So if you were diagnosed with leprosy, that was a death sentence. You didn't know when you would die, but it was going to be soon, and it was going to be a slow, painful death. Scripture says Jesus found himself, listen to what it says, in between two towns. He's on the outskirts. He was in the sticks in the middle of nowhere. And that's where people with leprosy live because a side effect of leprosy is you essentially had to be excommunicated from civilization. You couldn't be around people at all. It was so contagious. So once you had that little sign of leprosy, you got kicked out. You had to go and live in the woods by yourself or hang out with other people that had leprosy already. Now think about how devastating that would have been. What if a mom of a newborn baby had leprosy? She would never be able to see her baby again. She would never be able to see her husband again. She would have to watch from a distance, couldn't couldn't go to the grocery store, couldn't, couldn't have a job, couldn't have friends, couldn't interact with people. Like their whole life was completely devastated, excommunicated away from everyone just to die by themselves and no one could actually be around him. See, leprosy didn't just symbolize a physical death, but leprosy symbolized a cultural death. You couldn't be around anybody, couldn't go to a concert, couldn't, couldn't go to church, couldn't go to the grocery store, couldn't go anywhere. It symbolized relational death. Even if you were married, you could never be near your spouse again in fear that you would give them this terrible disease. You could never hold your children again. You couldn't even be around them at all. You essentially had to quarantine for the rest of your life. These dudes were quarantining before quarantining was cool. Totally outcast in this leper colony. And that is where Jesus finds himself, walking in between two major cities, knowing that this is where the greatest need is, Jesus finds himself there. And when they saw Jesus, it says they stood at a distance. They knew the six foot rule, okay? Like just, just give me a little bit of social distancing here with Jesus. They knew not to get near him, but they yelled out to him. They were so desperate, so desperate. Everything in their life had been taken from them, including their physical life was eroding in front of their very eyes. And they saw Jesus and they said, he's our only hope. And so with a loud voice, they began to call out, Master Jesus, help us. Help us, do do anything for us, Jesus. Verse 14, Jesus looked at them and said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. Now, if you happen to get COVID over the past year or so, Um, Before you could go back to work, your boss probably told you, uh, you need to go to the doctor and you need to prove that you have a negative test just to make sure. And and if you got it, like the next time your friends saw you, they were probably like trying to keep their distance. And you're like, no, I I went, I got my negative test. Like it's over, not contagious anymore. Um, So before you could assimilate back into your job and back into the real world, you had to have this negative test from the doctor. Well, this is what Jesus was doing to these lepers because in this culture, In order for you to be deemed as clean and able to interact with people, you had to go to the church. 
you had to go see a priest and they would undoubtedly, they had a lot of rapid tests for leprosy at the moment. And so they were like, go to the priest, do a rapid test, test negative, and then you're back. You can go back to your family, you can go back to your job, like welcome back to the real world. And that's where Jesus sent them. And, and scripture says something interesting. He says, as they walked, they were healed. Now don't miss that. Some blessings in your life will be contingent on your obedience to do what Jesus calls you to do. There are blessings that God has for your life that you will never receive until you take the next step of obedience. There are gifts that God has for you. There are doors that he wants to open. There are ways that your life can change. But listen to me, until you take a next step and do what God told you to do, you'll never get the blessing. If those lepers had not started walking towards the priest as they walked, as they obeyed, as they did what Jesus told them to do, the miracle began to happen in their life. Can you imagine this? Like they're, they're halfway to the priest and all of a sudden like the, the rashes are going away. It's like, what, what's going on here? They pull their sleeves up and it's not red anymore. It's not exposed. Like they're, they're healing as they walk. God has things for your life, healing in various ways, in marriage, in finances, in relationships, spiritually, relationally, emotionally, that he's saying, hey, I have something for you, but it's gonna take a step of obedience. Are you willing to do what I told you to do to experience the blessing and to receive the blessing that I have for you? Thank goodness these guys were willing just to, to do what Jesus told them to do because if not, their life would have never been changed. I wonder what kind of life change is waiting on you to simply be obedient to what Jesus has said. These guys, when it says, as they were walking, their wounds were healed. Verse 15, one of them, one of them, one out of the 10, that's 10%, okay, quick math, 10%. When he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. I think we see the first thing that I want you to jot down. If you have your app, all the notes will be there. If you have your notes, um, take it out. Um, write this down about, about gratitude. We see this in verse 15 and 16. Number one is this, uh, gratitude is an expression, not an emotion. Uh, let me say it a different way. Uh, gratitude is not gratitude until it's expressed. Right? It says one person out of the 10 came back and thanked Jesus. One person. Now we don't know what the other nine were thinking. We don't know where the other nine were. We don't know like what is going on with them. But Jesus said one person was grateful. And how did he know that? Because one person expressed it. They didn't just feel it. Like thankfulness and gratitude is not a feeling that we have. It's an action that we express. And so this one man came back and thanked Jesus, showed his gratitude. Here, here's another kind of analogy that I use. When I think about gratitude, I think about this. Um, unexpressed gratitude is like buying someone a gift and wrapping the gift, but never giving it to them. Like you, you, you know how you feel, you know the thoughts that you have, you know like deep down, like I really am thankful or I really am grateful, but, and it's like buying a gift for someone, but man, I can't wait for you to get this gift and never giving it to them. So how are you doing on expressing gratitude? I'm talking about how you feel, 
I'm talking about your expressions to others, your expressions to God for the things that he's done in, in your life. A, a recent survey was done of uh, median age, median payroll uh, employees in the United States, and they asked them what was the biggest indicator of job satisfaction. I would have immediately thought, well, it's how much money you get paid. Like the, the people that make the most money at their job are the ones that are the most satisfied in their job or whoever gets the best packages, right? Work from home or perks or like long maternity leave or paid vacation more than anyone else. You know what the number one factor that people stated as to why they were satisfied with their job? It says they felt a level of appreciation from their customers or their clients or their boss. More important than a Christmas bonus. People said, I would rather feel like my job is making an impact and that people are thankful for it and it's making a difference than I would making all kinds of money on a job that, that no one cares about and no one willing to make. Think about how powerful gratitude is. That people would rather have that than a bigger paycheck. Expressed gratitude is, is a really powerful thing. This man goes above and beyond to come back and express his gratitude to Jesus. Here's how Jesus responds in verse 17. Jesus asked, uh, didn't I heal 10 men? Weren't there, weren't there 10 people that, that actually received the blessing? Where, where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? Now you gotta remember this about Jesus. Jesus never asked a question that he didn't already know the answer to. So he asks it for the benefit of the disciples that are with him, for the man that is standing in front of him, even for our benefit today. Like Jesus knew exactly where the men were. He knew their hearts. He knew what was behind the story. We don't know that. We don't understand what, what the deal with these men are. But he asked this question. He's like, weren't there nine other Men, here's the second thing that I want you to jot down that we learned from this. Jesus heals 10 lepers simultaneously and only one of them returns. Now, now, let me clarify something. Jesus never demanded a bunch of fanfare around his ministry and miracles. Jesus never stood on a stage and said, hey, I'm preaching better than you're responding. Jesus never did that. Never demanded that when he did a miracle, people would be like... Yes, he never waited for a slow clap. In fact, oftentimes Jesus did miracles and looked at the person and said, hey, don't tell anybody about this, okay? I don't want this word spreading because everybody will be coming to me then. So Jesus isn't this needy person that is just begging for someone to acknowledge him and to, to give him a positive affirmation about what he says and what he does. What was unbelievable to him was the lack of thankfulness from the former lepers. He had miraculously turned their entire lives upside down, put them on a new course, gave them a new lease on life, and only one came back. Here's the second thing I want you to write down. Unexpressed gratitude is ingratitude. Like you just need to know that. Like I, I don't care how you feel on the inside. <laughs> if you don't express your gratitude, then it is communicated to other people that you are not grateful. They're not going to assume that, that you are grateful. In fact, if someone has ever 
uh, accused you, maybe your spouse or somebody close to you accused you of not being thankful for something, uh, you know, nine times out of 10, maybe your response was, no, I am thankful. I, I really do. I feel, I'm, I feel grateful for you. I'm grateful for you all the time. Well, the problem isn't how you feel. It's the problem is how you're expressing it. And so real, unexpressed gratitude communicates to your friends, to your spouse, to your neighbors, to complete strangers. If you don't say anything at all, I don't care how you feel, it comes across as you're not thankful. You're not grateful. And that's the point that Jesus made. Wait, wait, weren't there nine other men? And if they didn't come back and say, thank you, is that because they weren't thankful at all? Now, when I, when I read this text, it kind of begs the question, why didn't they come back? Why were they so ungrateful? I, I, this kind of rubs me the wrong way, this story, because I, I, like I start getting offensive at this. I'm like, come on, guys, really? Jesus changed your life like that? And you're not even going to come back? And like this week, I was just getting fired up about it until I realized in this story, oftentimes, that's me. I'm the nine. Like, I know we love to read ourselves into stories as we're the heroes. Of course, we would be the one that came back. But too many times in my life, I'm the nine. So why didn't those guys come back after Jesus had done so much for me? Unexpressed gratitude communicates that you're ungrateful. I don't want to do that, so why do we? And I begin to think about this. Maybe sometimes in your life and in my life, maybe in the lives of these guys, tell me if you've ever been here, We'll ask God for something, and as soon as he gives it to us, we start to think that we don't need God anymore, and so we move on with our lives. Maybe Jesus met their biggest need, and once they didn't have the need, they looked in, at Jesus and said, I'm out. Don't need you anymore. I'm not going back to him. I don't need him anymore. Why, why go back and say thank you? My life is great now. I've got everything that I've always wanted. Sometimes it takes a sick person to actually be grateful when they're helped. So maybe for them, they just thought, well, man, I got everything that I could from Jesus, and so I'll move on to the next thing. Second thing I thought was maybe they were just busy. And maybe just the busyness of life caused them to want to move on. Hey, I got to go see my family. I got to go see my wife. I got to go see my kids. I got to go get my job back. I want to go to a movie so bad. Like, I just want to, I want to find the room full of, the, like, the biggest room with the biggest amount of people in it, and I'm just going to hug everybody. Like, I'm just, I just want to be around people. And they got so busy. You ever been guilty of that? God does something. God opens the door, gives you a blessing, receive a gift from him. And, but we are so busy with our life. We're just on to the next thing. On to the next. Got to go to work. Got to make this call. Got to see this client. Got to go to the grocery store. Got to do this for the kids. And God is blessing us every day in our life. But we are so stinking busy. We don't even take time to thank him for what he does for us. Maybe that's the reason the third one stings probably the most. Um, maybe they felt like they were entitled to it. Maybe they felt like God owed them this. Hey, I got exposed to leprosy, not any problem of my own. Like I, maybe I was just in the wrong place at the wrong time, like just fluke accident. Like, come on, this is the least that God could have done for me. I didn't deserve this. He should have done this for me a long time ago. And so God gives us something, blesses us something, and then our pride and ego gets in the way that we aren't even willing to look at God and say thank you and, and acknowledge him for it. This happens in our life. Then when's the last time that you thank God for the financial provisions that he's given me? Man, I made that money. Like, God didn't give me that money. 
Did God clock in at 8 o'clock yesterday? I did not see him there. I did. I earned this money. I did this. This is not God's money. It's mine. And our pride keeps us from seeing how God has blessed us. That job I have, look, man, the reason I'm in the financial shape I am is because I made good decisions, went to college, uh, got a good job, jumped through all the hoops, worked my way up the ladder. I worked hard and did what I was supposed to do. This house I have, these cars I have, everything I have, I earned it. This isn't from God. I earned this. And pride and ego keeps us from saying these things. This spouse that I have, come on now, I earned that. I'm a pretty good-looking man. I've got a lot going for me right now. Like I wooed that woman on my own. That's not a gift from God. This ki- these kids, like that's not a gift from God. I know how I went to the health class. I know how these things happen. Like what are you talking about gifts? And everything that we have every single day, it's so easy to write it off. It's like, I earned that. And that's pride saying, God didn't bless me with this gift. I deserve it. I earned it. I worked hard for it. And maybe that's the reason why the nine people, instead of coming back to Jesus and thanking him, they just decided to go on with their life. How often are we the nine instead of the one that came back and thanked Jesus? Well, Jesus had something in store uh, for, for the one that came back. In verse 19, here's how he lands the plane. He said, and Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. Stand up. You came back. Now stand up and go. Do whatever. Go see your wife. Go see your kids. Go get your job back. Go get your house back. Whatever you got to do. Stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. Last thing I want you to write down is, is this. Number three, gratitude leads to future blessings. Your gratitude towards God, your gratitude towards others, Jesus points out here, will lead to future blessings. Jesus did not take away what he gave to the nine people. But here's what he did. For the one that came back, he gave him something more. He gave him another, he showed his gratitude for the first gift that Jesus gave him. Jesus gave him another gift. Now you might not have caught it because uh, like in our, our Bibles, it's translated into English and the two words look the same. In verse 15, it says, Jesus uh, told the men to go to the priests and as they walked, they were healed. English word healed. In verse 19, it also said, your faith has healed you. Now in the English, in your Bible, probably in, in mine that I read, it, he, it, it translates as the same word, healed and healed. But if you look at the Greek, those are two different words. In verse 15, the Greek word is a physical healing. You go and your leprosy will go away. In verse 19, the word is doxos. It means you will be made whole. Your faith has made you whole. See, Jesus said, the first time you came around, you realized you had a physical need, but your gratitude has now led to me helping you meet a spiritual need. See, even though you were physically well now, there was still a hole in your soul that only forgiveness of your sins and a relationship with Jesus can fix. And Jesus says, so because of your thankfulness, because of your faith in me, now your entire soul will be made whole. Future blessings come from current thankfulness. 
and this happens, this makes perfect sense for us. Like, I hate to admit this, but if I'm hanging out with somebody and I do something for them, maybe I take them out to lunch or uh, give them some of my time or talents or treasures or whatever I have in my life. If, if I do that for you and you don't say thank you, then look, I'm, we're still gonna be friends. I'm still gonna love you because Jesus tells me I have to love you. But here's the deal. Like, I'm probably not gonna give you any more of whatever I gave you. Because I would rather give my time, talent, and treasure to people that are actually gonna be grateful for it. Like somebody that I do something for and they say, man, that really meant a lot to me. I appreciate that. That, that just really, I just appreciate you doing that. That made an impact on my life. When I hear that, I wanna do it again. Now I gotta be careful about that. Like you gotta keep that in check because as a follower of Jesus, you and I are not called to be generous with our lives with people that will simply give us a thank you at the end of it because that's not what Jesus did for you. We're called to be generous with people even if they don't appreciate it, even if they don't come back and say thank you. But I gotta, like, I gotta be honest with you, it's hard. It's hard. Hey, I wanna talk to the students uh, in the room real quick. Parents, put your earmuffs on. Students, just me and you. You ready? Dial in here. I'm gonna give you a secret to getting more from your parents. Are you ready? If you will learn how to be thankful for what your parents give you, they will give you more. Most kids, teenagers, students, we live in a culture uh, where they are entitled to everything. This roof over my head, you owe me this. You're my parents. These three meals that are on the table every day, you owe me this. You are my parents. These clothes, these back to school supplies I need, you have to do this. You're my parents. Heads up. Parenting is a volunteer position. They don't owe you jack. Here's what's gonna happen though. If you will learn to buck the trend and be a student that is thankful for what your parents give you, if you'll articulate to them, mom and dad, thanks for the sacrifice. Thanks for this bedroom that I have. Thanks for making sure I have three meals a day. Thanks for these clothes that you bought for me. Thanks for doing these things for me. Thanks for sacrificing. Watch what happens, man. When you are thankful for those things, you'll see those things expand. Why? Because thankfulness and gratitude leads to future blessings. Instead of complaining about your current curfew, begin to thank your mom and dad for letting you stay out and watch over a season of your gratitude. Watch how your curfew all of a sudden goes back another hour. Be thankful for what your parents do for you. And I'm telling you, it'll open up the door. All right, break. Parents, earmuffs off, back in. These guys expressed gratitude. This one man expressed gratitude to Jesus. And because he said, thank you, it led to a future blessing and his life ended up getting changed in a, in a real powerful way. So this week, uh, I wanna challenge you on something. I want you to take some initiative to be grateful. Uh, to be grateful towards your friends, towards your family, towards your parents, towards your coworkers, towards your boss, towards complete strangers. And I, I think that's a great uh, next step for us to take about this message. But, but really where I wanna land the plane today is I want you to do an evaluation of your gratitude towards God. Focus on that relationship over the next few minutes. When you read this story, what does this tell you about your life and about my life? And the first thing I want you to grasp is just like these 10 men, every single person in this room needs Jesus. We need him. Man, thank goodness these men 
called out to him and said, God, we need you. Jesus, you're our only hope. Now, these men had a skin condition that only Jesus could heal. It didn't have a cure for it. He was their only hope. You and I don't have a skin condition. We got a sin condition. That sin separates us from God. And there's only one way to God. There's only one way to heaven. And that's through Jesus, his son. And so we got to reach a point. Maybe that's your next step today, just to sit down and realize, I need Jesus. There is no hope without him. There is no joy. There is no satisfaction. There is no happiness in this life apart from Jesus. Jesus, I need you. And maybe just like these 10 lepers, you can start by now by confessing your sin to God, your need for a savior, being thankful for his forgiveness, for his grace and for his mercy and begin to walk in the new life that we're promised through scripture. That'd be a great next step for you to take if you don't know Jesus today. But for those of you that are like me, that, that have a relationship with Jesus, that understand what God has done for us, our next step is we gotta make sure that, that we are the one and not the nine. I, I, don't, I don't wanna be like the nine that totally blow it off. But here's the problem, this man, the one that came back, he threw himself at Jesus' feet and probably gave him a hug, a high five, a handshake. I don't know what he did. But here's the problem with us, Jesus isn't in the building right now. I mean, I'd love to shake Jesus' hand and thank him face to face for all that he's done for me, but I can't do that. So how do you and I respond to God this week in gratitude? We're getting ready to have an opportunity to do it right now. It's called worship. When you stand, when you sing, when you surrender your life and heart, when you raise your hands in worship, those are our verbal cues to God. Thank you. Thank you. The words on the screen point us towards thankfulness and gratitude to, to what God has done. So, man, don't just sit there and stand up. Don't just, like, like belt it out, man. We're, we gotta be thankful. This is our, don't be like the nine. Be like the one that comes and throws himself at Jesus' feet and said, praise God, thank you for what you've done. Generosity is another thing that we do to respond to God. That's how we thank God. D do you think that this man would have invested financially in Jesus's ministry after Jesus changed his life? 100% he would. Do you think this man would have found other people, maybe other lepers, maybe other family members that were hurting and broken? Don't you think this man would have said, look, man, you gotta do whatever you can to get to Jesus. I will buy you an Uber to get you from here to there. You gotta meet this guy. You gotta get in his presence. You have to see the man that changed my life. I guarantee he would have. And that's a way that we respond each and every week by being generous with our time, with our talent, with our treasures. Last is serving. And don't you think this guy, after all he had been given, would wanna go and repay that favor to other people? Would wanna go and serve, would wanna go and help, would wanna go and do, would wanna be the hands and feet of Jesus after Jesus has changed his life? That's what we do whether you serve here on the weekends that people walk in the doors that don't know Jesus, we're serving to help them find and follow Jesus. Or you're serving out in the community and you're meeting people that are far from God and you're like, hey, let me tell you about who Jesus is and I'm gonna serve you and be generous towards you and invite you into the, the faith family. Whatever it is, those are three ways that we can be the one and, and not the nine. Here's what I know. Every one of us wants something from God. Every one of us has been given something from God. Now the question is, how many of us are gonna stop and thank him for it? Are you gonna be the one? Or are you gonna be the nine? Your call. You got a chance to do something about it right now. Let me pray for you.
God, I gotta be honest, I get, I get a little fired up when I see these nine men. Can't believe they didn't come back. Can't believe you changed their life physically and emotionally. Can't believe you restored their relationships. You, you totally changed their life. And not a single one of them came back to say thank you. And God, I think about how often that is my story. That I just move on with my life, that I feel entitled with it, that pride gets in the way, that somehow I view God, you as a, a means to an end, just to get something from you. So God, help me to understand your grace, your mercy, your forgiveness. Help me to embrace that, not just one time, but on a regular basis. Help me to become a person that is, is grateful and full of thanks for the many things that you have done in my life. God, help us to be like the one and not like the nine. Pray and ask those things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Revo Podcast. We believe everyone has a next step to take in their relationship with Jesus. If you would like more information on what that means for you, or if you have any questions about today's message, please email us at info at discoverrevo.com.